all of the gentlemen making it happen, all of the ladies, everyone, again, everyone has just been an absolute blessing to get to know, and it's an honor to be here with you. How many are grateful for the word of the Lord? The word can stand all by itself any day of the week, but he has allowed us this opportunity to journey together through it, and I'm so honored that we get to come and minister, and I want to give honor to my beautiful wife, Ashley. I love her. I love her. I love her. And so grateful she's here with us and our two boys back home. And I give honor as well. I know he wouldn't hear it and he's not here, but I give honor to my pastor, Pastor Todd Johnson. Uh, he's allowed me the opportunity to be here with you all. And uh, I'm grateful for him, his ministry, and his impact. Uh, if you would go with me to the book of 2 Kings, chapter number 4 and uh, verse number 8. There's a lot of verses here that, that, that apply in context. I'm going to try to move quickly through it for the sake of time. But I want you to know what is happening rather than just jumping in without understanding what is unfolding here. Second Kings chapter number 8, and I know they have it on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you. If you are brand new to the Pentecostals of Sydney, we've got good news for you. You have found your church. You have found your church. Look at the person next to you and say, the search is over. The search is over. This is the place to be if you are here in Sydney. And I give honor to all of the churches that have traveled. I have the opportunity to meet you all this weekend. It's been an absolute pleasure and look forward to connecting again this afternoon. Verse number 8 of chapter number 4. And it fell on a day that Elisha passed to Shunem, where was a great woman. I'm going to try to read quickly. And she constrained him to eat bread. And so it was that oft as he passed by, he turned hither to eat bread. Somebody say, that sounds good. She said to her husband, Behold, I perceive this is a holy man which passes by us. Let us make a little chamber, I pray, on the wall. Let us set before him a bed, a table, a stool, a candlestick. When he comes, that he has a place to be. And it fell on a day when he was there that he turned to the chamber, and he said to his servant, Call the Shunammite, the woman. Call the Shunammite woman. And when he called her, he said to her, you have been so careful. You have been so good to us. You've taken care of us. What can we do for you? Would you like me to speak to the king, the captain of the host? Here he is. Elisha had connections, and he's offering his services to be a blessing. And she says this, I dwell among my own people. I'm good as I am. Everything is fine. I am blessed. I dwell among my own people. He said, what can be done? What can be done? And Gehazi, his servant, says, she has no child, and her husband is old. You can imagine the husband in the other room saying, what in the world? Excuse me? This is my house. You won't make fun of me saying I'm old? What's going on? can just imagine that. But as it unfolds, he says to call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the door and he said, About this season, according to the time of life, thou shalt embrace his son. She said, Nay, my Lord, thou man of God, don't, don't play with me. Don't lie to me. Unto thy handmaid. And the woman conceived. Somebody she say she bare a son. At the season that Elisha had said unto her, according to the time of life, when the child was grown, it fell on a day that it was sick. The father took it to his mother. He said, my head, my head, and took him to a lad, excuse me, to carry him to his mother. When he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on knees until noon and then died. She went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, shut the door upon him, and went out. With the help of the Lord this morning, I want to speak to you what I felt like God had directed me some time ago. He brought me back to this sermon, to this message, to these scriptures uh, for, for this morning, right here at 9.15. And I want to speak to you the simple thought of don't 
plan the funeral. Don't plan the funeral. I know you've worshiped, and I know you've prayed already, but one more time, whether you want to hold your Bible close or you want to put it down, would you pray with me this morning? God, we're so very grateful today for your word, your spirit, your presence. What you've already begun to do this weekend, God, is special, and I know it goes beyond just this moment. And God, I'm asking you today, in this moment, to anoint this congregation, the precious people of this church right here, right now, every leader, every young man, every young lady, every individual, I pray your anointing upon them. And Lord, as you would anoint them, I pray that you would anoint me. Remove error from my mind and from my mouth. Give me the voice. Help me to speak your words today. Truth, clarity, anointing, passion, and burden. It's you and you alone that makes the difference. And today, you're going to make that difference in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Would you shout his name as you're seated today? You may be seated. Don't plan the funeral. It's important to notice what is happening right here from the very beginning. This Shunammite woman takes notice of this man. And I stand first in line to tell you today that as men, there are sometimes things that we miss that our wives will pick up on. There are things that we are caught up in the moment. We are busy with life. We have a one-track mind sometimes. We are focused on one thing and one thing only, that we are missing what is going on around us. And it is many times, if you are married, it is your spouse that will pick up on things that you didn't see. You don't like to admit it, but it's true. You don't like to highlight it, but it's the fact. And I want to tell you today, if you're not married, sometimes there are people in your life that are family members, friends, that will speak to you because they see things that you are not seeing. And that is what is unfolding in this moment. That This man is busy. They were very blessed. They were wealthy. They were taken care of. It wasn't that they needed something. But that Shunammite woman tray picked up on something that was happening. She said, I perceive that this is a holy man of God. And because of it, she didn't just take notice of it. It's easy for us to take notice of things without taking action. It's easy to highlight something that is happening without taking action. But a part of this woman and what makes her great is the fact that not only does she notice something, but she will take action to what she notices. Can I pause and tell somebody this beautiful Sunday morning that there are things that God will allow you to see, not only for you to recognize, not only for you to clap about, not only for you to shout about, but for you to take action for in your life. It's not enough to just see it. Let me act upon what what God is showing me. Let me take a hold of what God is allowing me to see. He's not going to show you something just so you can say, that's cute. That's nice. Great word, pastor. Oh, no, no. He's going to highlight something for you so that you can take action, so that you can apply it to your life, so that there can be something different in your home. And that's what begins to happen. She notices this man. She tells her husband, and you know how this is. All of, the, all of the husbands understand this very, very well. Anytime your wife gives you a project, it's never going to be something you enjoy. Babe, I was thinking, oh, no. Hey, babe, what do you think about if we, oh, no. Because, you know, once you get started, it started one color, oh, my. But it's not that big of a deal. We'll just repaint it. I really wanted this, oh sure you did, until you got it set up after four and a half hours in the room and then come to find out it's not what you wanted. I'll just take it back. What do you mean you just take it back? I just spent two and a half hours with you shopping and you're gonna take it all back? 
No, you're going to wear that multiple times every day. And so you can imagine, you can imagine the conversation in the home. When she says, babe, I want us to build a chamber. We need to construct something. We need to build something. If he was a man like you and I are, men, gentlemen, many times this is what we would do. Why do we need to build anything? We got an extra room here. Why do we need to build anything? He, my man could just sleep on the couch. Why do we need to build anything? We, we, we'll get him a nice pillow. I'll get him a nice blanket. I'll get him one that's you know, nice and soft, and he'll be completely fine. But this woman understood something. What we're about to do cannot be simply convenient for us. It cannot just be something that we just make happen if it works. No, no, no. We're going to make this work by putting in the effort, putting in the time, putting in our resources, putting in our sweat, putting in our effort. Not anybody else's. This is what happens many times in our life. God, we want you to move. We want you to do something in us. Move in our home. Move in our family. But wherever you can find a place, wherever you can, if you can move there, if you can move some things around, then go ahead and find a place. Wherever you can maybe get comfortable, God. You're, I'm sorry you got to move around the clutter. I'm sorry you got to find a place around the mess. But what this woman was doing was something special because she said, we're going to build this place. And in order to build the chamber, in order to build a place, you have to construct something knowing that you have to remove some things that already existed. It's not enough, God, for you just to come in where I already dwell. I want you to move in my life, but I want to tell you, God, today, I am willing to tear down some ideas, some mentalities, some attitudes, some things I've been born with, some things that I've inherited over life, some things that I've been influenced by over time. I'm not just going to say, God, wherever you fit. Oh, no, I'm going to put some time into it. I'm going to put some effort into it in order to build in order to build a place for God to dwell, in order to build a place for the man of God, they had to tear down some walls. Can I preach to somebody for just a minute? Sometimes you got to tear down some walls that mama built. You got to tear down some walls that daddy built. Some mentalities that have lasted a long time. Some ideas that have been present in your life for a long time. You got to break those things down. You got to tear those things down. Why? Because I'm making room for God. I'm making room for God to do something that has never been done before. It's not enough to just invite him in. Let me make a place for him to dwell. You can imagine, you may be seated. I moved quickly this morning. They're constructing and they're building, tearing down things. Don't be embarrassed and ashamed when you leave the house of God. Understanding your pastor has touched on things and talked about things that you have to go home and tear down. Why? Because you're making room. You're making room. In order for there to be a place for him, you've got to tear down some things. And you feel these things, and it comes against your ideas. I've always been raised like this. We've always had this issue. 
We've always had this attitude. We've always had this mentality. I was born with it, Pastor Harvey. I can't change. My, my, my family comes from nothing. We've never been anything. What do you mean I can be blessed? What do you mean I can be anointed? What do you mean God can use me? What do you mean I can be somebody that's teaching a Bible study and changing my workplace? What do you mean I can be a big part of what God is doing in Sydney, Australia? What do you mean? How, how are you going about it? Because I'm tearing down walls that families have built in our life. Thoughts that we have built. I'm tearing that down and I'm going to allow God a place to dwell. A place to dwell. And as it unfolds, I moved this morning, as it unfolds, they build this place and it's finally done. And You can imagine other people are saying, what are you doing? You don't even know the man. What are you doing? The opinions of the outside. You're blessed. God's been good to you. Why are you going to take time and mess up what you already have? Can I, can I challenge somebody today? You're comfortable where you're at. Why are you going to change things up? Her husband was old. The season of their life had probably passed where they thought new things were going to happen. I feel to tell somebody this. When you feel like the best of your days is already behind you, when you feel like the prime of your life is already in, behind you in the, in the past, can I tell you, that does not mean that God is not willing and wanting to do some things in your life. But what he's looking for is somebody to take notice and somebody to take action when the man of God comes by, when the Spirit of God offers an opportunity for you to do something. You can stay comfortable or you can say it's time to construct a building. It's time to build a place. And as it unfolds, we move this morning. He's there. You can imagine the man of God. The dirt roads, the dirty places. Gehazi behind him washing his feet with water. And, he find, and you know how it is when you come. You all have beautiful weather. But when, when you come from a hot place, it's hot outside. And you walk into the cool, refreshing church. You get a little dramatic. You walk into your home after a long day, you just want to slip off the chanclas. Those are sandals. Sorry. You just want to relax. You can imagine as Elisha comes in, says, oh, this is nice, Gehazi. This is really nice. We finally got our own room. We got our own place. I can get used to this. I think we're going to spend a little more time here. They're relaxing. And he says, you know what? We got to do something for her. And he tells her, you've been so good to us. You've been so kind to us. His words are, you've been so careful. New King, uh, King James Version, you've been so careful. You've been so good. What can we do for you? She gives this answer. I dwell among my own people. It's her version of saying, I'm blessed. I have everything that I could want. God has been good. There is nothing that I have need of. Can I tell you today, as wonderful as a response as that is, you're sitting by people that you would never know from the outside that there are needs that they have on the inside. From the outside, it's everything as well. You're not being fake. You're being honest. You're grateful for what you have, and there's nothing wrong with that. But on the inside, there were still some things that they knew that she had never had, things that they had never had in, in their life. And here it is many times in our church. We can be so comfortable and satisfied. I'm dwell among my own people. Everything is good. Everything is fine. That we don't realize that God is wanting to do something that we didn't even ask for. God is wanting to do something in our life and add something to our life that we didn't even seem possible. And Gehazi speaks up and says, she doesn't have a child. I don't hear, I don't hear the crunching of Cheetos 
Doritos. I don't see slime on the wall. I don't hear crazy noises coming from around the room. She doesn't have a child. And she does not ask for it. Elisha points and speaks to her. He says, according to the time of life, according to the time of life, about this season, you're going to embrace a son. She doesn't believe it. Don't lie to me like that. Don't lie to me like that. I've, I've given up. Can I say this to somebody? I've given up on that dream a long time ago. I've given up on that potential a long time ago. That thought and that idea, I, 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 I let that go a long time ago, Pastor. That's something, Brother Greg, that I don't, I don't even revisit anymore because I figured it was already done. That dream and that burden of those things are, are not something that I bring up for discussion anymore because I don't ever think it was possible. Can I preach to somebody today that has these dreams and has these plans and has these goals? You said they're gone and they're forgotten. I don't talk about them anymore because I don't ever think that they have any potential. So I've left that behind me. Don't lie to me. But the Bible says, as we move quickly this morning, the Bible says that the woman conceived and she bare a son at that season that Elisha had said unto her according to the time of life. I want to tell somebody today that she did not have the baby immediately. The Bible says it was according to the time of life. I want to tell somebody that's serving. I want to tell somebody that's working. I want to tell somebody that has a heart for the kingdom of God. There are times that you get frustrated, Trey. There are times that you get weary. There are times that you get aggravated there are times that you get so frustrated with what you are doing because you're pouring out pouring out but you never feel anything growing out of your life you don't always feel like things are happening in you you don't always feel like you're producing you're serving you're working hard you're giving everything you've got you're always volunteering you're always there to help but it doesn't feel like there's anything growing and being produced out of you can I tell you today there are times where you may not see it there are times where you may not feel it but of According to the season of life, according to the season of life, there's something that is going to be born. There is something that's going to come out of your life. There is something that's going to be produced from you that only God can do because of what you've done now. You don't see it in the moment. You don't feel it in the moment. But what she was doing, there were no angels singing to her. But what she had to do was give a praise for what was coming next year. You're going to find yourself sometimes on Sunday mornings, sometimes when the church isn't around, when nobody's singing and nobody's preaching, and you're going to have to give a praise with faith and expectation, not for what is done, but for what is coming. Yeah, yeah, I'm preaching to somebody today. I don't know what it looks like today, but I can tell you when you commit and you surrender to God, there are things uh, when you look back over your life, uh, you didn't know I was going to be a dad. You didn't know I was going to be blessed. You didn't know God was going to do that for you. But lo and behold, uh, a year before, you were just worshiping. You were just serving. You were just being committed. But look at you now, according to the season of life. Watch what God is doing in you. It wasn't, it wasn't the baby being born right away, but it was according to the seat. I feel to say this to somebody. I know you get frustrated sometimes. I know you serve to the best of your ability. I know you get annoyed sometimes when you look in the mirror, if you would, and there's nothing growing and nothing happening that you think 
But it's according to the season of life that you're going to produce something that will change your life forever. Forever. If I can say it like this. Don't stop serving now. Don't stop building the room now. Don't stop praying now. Don't stop fasting now. Don't stop devoting your time to God now. Don't stop committing now because there's things coming when you don't see it. It might be a year later. It might be nine months later. It might be Sydney, Australia, 2020, that things blow up in a way you never imagined because what you're doing today You may be seated. I moved quickly this morning. And here it is. As she conceived, you would think, amazing, powerful, ended there. How amazing it would be if 2 Kings 14 just ended there, but it doesn't. The Bible says that the child grows. And he's in the field with his father working the way that many of them would. And in the climate, in the day, where they were at, in the place, it was not uncommon for there to be heat strokes. or It was very hot, very difficult. And you could imagine a young child not having the experience that a grown man or an adult would, would suffer from things. But this was significant. This was very troubling because this was the promised child. This is the one that was prophesied, that was given to her. They had set up a chamber. They had built a chamber for the man of God to come through. And he prophesied to her about this baby boy. And this bouncing baby boy is now growing He's a little older now, and he's working with his dad, and he gets sick. And the father doesn't know what to do. He's crying about his head. He's crying about his head. Some writers would suggest, of course, heat stroke and uh, of some kind. There was some kind of issue with the heat in that time. And he takes him to a lad. He says, take him to his mother. Take him to his mother. And that precious mama, the way every mother here would understand, and father's here today, takes a hold of that baby. Takes a hold of that child that God had blessed her with. Takes a hold of that baby that God had promised. That baby that she never asked for. That baby that she never prayed about before. It was spoken to her. She takes a hold of that child. He's a little bit bigger now. He doesn't quite fit in the arms, but he's extended now. His legs hanging over her lap. His head holding. I can just see it like a mama would. I can just see it like a daddy would. I can just see it like a parent would holding and rocking that baby. I don't know what's happening. You were never supposed to be born, but oh, what a joy you've been to our life. Oh, you've added so much to our life, so many smiles. You've added so much joy. I thought the season of my life was over, and here it is. You came. You're going to be fine. Everything's going to be all right. I know you're going to make it. I'm sorry you're sick, baby. I'm sorry you're going through this right now, but mommy's here. Mommy's here. She can feel as the breaths. It would get a little more, a little longer in between. And she's praying, no doubt, the way a mom would, God. Why are you going to let this happen? The man of God prophesied. The man of God spoke to me. The man of God told me, I, I, all I did was be obedient. I never asked for this baby. I never asked, but I've been so grateful to be his mama. I've been so thankful to take care of him and see what's growing. But she can feel those breaths in his body leaving. You can imagine what she experiences in that moment as that last breath is taken out of his body and he goes limp. That precious baby boy that was prophesied to her. You would think in that moment a mother overtaken with grief, a mother confused 
would leave the baby and scream and shout for help and run and get the father and run and tell the family. Because we know when somebody passes, the, the only logical thing to do would be to tell the family, get everybody together, let us mourn, let us plan the funeral. We don't understand why this baby would pass. We don't understand why this would happen. God, you spoke to me. You spoke to me about my potential. You spoke to me, Lord, about my ministry. You spoke to me about my promises. Why would you leave them limp? Why would you let the life be taken out of them? But if you'd stay with me on this beautiful Sunday morning, what this powerful mother does, she doesn't scream for help from anybody. That mama takes her precious baby boy up the steps, not to a living room, not to a place of convenience, but I could see her walking. She takes that precious baby boy and she puts that baby boy in the bed that she had made for the man of God. She takes that baby boy and she lays him exactly where she had built a place for God and the man of God to dwell. But I want to highlight something this morning with just a few minutes here. She never tells anybody that the baby is dead. When you read it, she doesn't run to her husband. You know what she does? She runs and she says, I need a lad and I need a donkey. He says, what are you doing? Why are you going to the man of God? It's not even the Sabbath. Why are you putting in the effort? He doesn't even realize what has actually transpired. She says, give me the lad, give me the donkey. I need to go to the man of God. She makes her way to the man of God. She doesn't even tell the man of God, my, my, my child is dead. But the man of God from afar sees her, tells Gehazi, get up, go. See, ask her if everything's well with her child. Ask her if everything's well with her husband. Ask her if everything's well with her family. We're going somewhere this morning. And what he, she says, it is well. And she looks at the man of God and she tells him, I'm not going. He could tell something is wrong, but he doesn't know. He says, the Lord has hid it from me. She doesn't even tell the man of God that her child is dead. What I felt impressed to remind somebody of on this Sunday morning, we have to be so very careful about what we speak in the moment of what we have been given when it seems like our potential is lost, when it seems like our promise is lost, when it seems like things did not work out the way that we thought they were going to work out, we have to be so careful about what we speak. It is easy to speak out of anger. It is easy to speak out of confusion. It is easy to speak out of fear. It is easy to speak out of hurt. But this woman has a faith that silences the voice within her to speak of the death of this child. What she does, I won't be much longer this morning. What she does is runs to the man of God. He tells Gehazi, here it is. I want, you, I want you to take this, take this staff and run with it. Take this staff and go and place it over the child. And, and, and she says, I'm not leaving without you. What she was saying by not saying that her child was dead today 
That's what I feel to tell somebody this morning. Don't plan the funeral. I know I held the lifeless body, but don't plan the funeral. Can I tell somebody that has prayed prayer after prayer, day after day, with faith after day of faith, and things haven't come out the way you thought they were going to come out? Can I encourage you this morning? Don't plan the funeral. Can I tell you, even though it didn't work out the way you thought it was, don't plan the funeral. It's not over for your child. It's not over for your marriage. It's not over for your ministry. It's not over for your neighborhood. It's not over for your job. It's not over for your finances. It's not over for your children. It's not over. Yeah, yeah. It's not over. What she was saying, you can stand with me. I'll be but a few minutes today, but please stay with me this morning. What she was saying in that moment, don't plan the funeral. Precious mother, you've, you've, you held the baby. You know there's no life in it. There would be people, if they knew, they would say, give up hope. Give up hope. It's over. You'll never be anything for God. You'll never be anointed. The voices in your head, if you would, would tell you, you'll never be effective. You'll never be what God wants you to be. You'll never be able to minister to people. You'll never be able to be a Bible study teacher. You'll never be able to be a group leader. Look at your sin. Look at your past. Look at your problems. I want to tell somebody, don't plan the funeral. Don't plan the funeral. The Bible says, excuse me, the Bible says that the man of God, Elisha, because she would not leave him, he goes with her. And they walk up to that chamber. They walk up to the place that she made. I want to tell somebody this morning, when you've been praying, you've been fasting, the place that you have been preparing, you thought it was for the man of God. You thought it was for God. But what God was allowing you to do was you were actually building the operating room for your miracle. You are actually constructing a place for God to operate a miracle in your family, a miracle in your life. The place that you laid that baby boy was actually the place that you built for the man of God. I want to tell somebody, what you've been building is not in vain. What you've been giving is not in vain. What you've been doing has not been in vain. Don't plan the funeral because God's got plans to work where you have allowed him a place to move. And it happens and it unfolds. As they walk up, he closes the door. Gehazi walks up and puts the staff over the child. He's just following instructions, Pastor. He's following instructions. He doesn't pray. Nothing happens. If I can tell you very kindly today, it's not enough for me, for you, to simply go through the motions. It's not enough for us to just take the staff and lay it on the child. Not if you're not going to plan a funeral. It's not enough to just go through motions. The man of God walked in and he closed the door. You can imagine the emotions he's experiencing. Human being. God, this I prophesied this boy. It can't happen this way. But he walks in with faith knowing the effort this woman has put forth. 
And the Bible says that he stretches, he closes the door. And he stretches over, he prays, and he stretches over that child. Somebody be encouraged today. I know it doesn't come easy. But for life, to breathe again in that promise, in that ministry, in that potential. It's not going to happen with you just going through motions. It's not going to happen with you just doing what you've always done. Being what you've always been. It's going to take absolutely everything you have. To stretch yourself over that lifeless body. Hands over hands, face over face. Because it's worth it. I want to tell somebody that's been praying. And you say, I've been praying. I've been, I've been doing what I know to do. I want to tell somebody, don't plan the funeral. Don't stop doing what you've been doing. But understand, it's going to take everything that you have. It's going to take everything you have. But be encouraged. It's worth it all to lay over, to stretch yourself in ways you've never stretched. And present yourself unto God right here on this Sunday morning in ways that you've never presented yourself. Would you stand all over the building if you're not? Would you make your way to this altar today? I want to pray over you today. As we end this 9:15 service, I want you to come to this altar today because there are people. Before you pray, just one second. There are people here today. You've been thinking, this is over. That is over. This is done. I've missed it. It's gone. It's lifeless. My potential is lifeless. You've held the potential and you feel like it's gone. I don't think I can ever be effective as a leader. I don't ever think I can be anointed. I don't, I don't ever think God can use me to help be effective for the kingdom. I, 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 I think I missed it. My best days are beyond. And I think it's gone today. But I've come to tell somebody, don't plan the funeral. That baby that God has given you. That thing that God has entrusted you with because you've been careful to guard your mouth. Because you've been careful to not just speak and not just believe everything that has taken place. But you have had faith in the same God that spoke it. He can sustain it. And on this Sunday morning right here in this beautiful city, I believe with your hands lifted all over this altar area, all over this sanctuary, I believe God is wanting to encourage. God is wanting to strengthen people today. When you've looked at your marriage and you've looked at your relationship and maybe you've looked at your children and you're thinking, is it gone? Is it over? Is it too late? Is it done with? I want to tell you, don't plan the funeral. Don't plan the funeral when you look at your finances and you don't think it's going to happen. You don't think anything is ever going to unfold. You don't think God can ever move on your behalf. I'm telling you, if you're willing to go beyond just the motions, if you're willing to be sincere with God and stretch out yourself today, I believe there's something that can happen in the place, in this beautiful church, that you have made room for God to move. I've been praying and I've been fasting, Pastor. I've been believing. I haven't seen anything produced out of my life. But could it be according to the season of life? There's some things that are going to come out of me that I had forgotten. Things that I didn't even know to ask for that God saw in me. Right here on this Sunday morning, would you lift your hands as we begin to worship and sing unto the Lord? Would you take this time? Would you take this time? Would you take this time for God that is not a man? But would you take this time for God, His Spirit, to minister to you to what you thought was lifeless? Maybe you've been talking. 
you've been negative it's never gonna happen it's done it's over sweetie babe honey it's over you've been telling your wife you've been talking to your spouse you think I think I've missed it I don't think God can do anything I think it's over I think it's done can I tell you don't plan the funeral this morning don't plan don't plan don't plan don't plan the funeral let there be faith in you that rises let there be faith in you that rises would you stretch yourself under the Lord this morning would you stretch yourself under the Lord this morning he's here he's listening we're not planning a funeral God but we're coming in faith for what you want to do in this place life and strength hope and promise potential and anointing God for those that have been frustrated for those that haven't seen the things that they thought they were going to see for those things that haven't unfolded the way they thought it was going to on this Sunday morning God you're speaking you're moving you're challenging you're reminding us don't be embarrassed don't be embarrassed that's your promise don't be embarrassed that's your ministry that's your potential. Don't be embarrassed. That's your prophecy. Don't be ashamed.